Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. This is where we talk about maternal mortality and morbidity issues and all the issues relating to women in pregnancy and after childbirth. We are also looking at ways to reduce maternal mortality and morbidity in the state of Georgia. We are interviewing right from the rural city of Forsyth, Georgia. My name is Dr. Bola Sagade. I'm a board-certified obstetrician, gynecologist, a family physician, a minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon, and a proponent for natural child deliveries. I am fortunate to have with me today Dr. Afolabi Brown. He is the Chief Medical Director of Image Plastic Center in Macon, Georgia. He has been a plastic surgeon for more than 21 years, and we are curious to see how he can contribute to our discussion today. Thank you, Dr. Brown, for joining us today. You're welcome. So there are so many issues that affect the newborn or the mother related to pregnancy and childbirth. One of the things I can think of off the top of my head is after a woman has a cesarean section, there is a scar. And at times that scar can either be disfiguring or it can get bigger. Um, can you speak to how you evaluate and manage these problems from a plastic surgeon's point of view? Yeah, you are welcome. Now, what happened to some of those scars, most of the scars are well healed from my experience of doing a lot of uh, uh, tummy tucks. But every now and then, some patients have very thick scar, which we call hypertrophic scar. Now, eventually they get bigger, and we call that keloid. The problem with keloid, especially with sweating under your abdominal skin, is that it itches. Mm. Because of the discomfort of itching and the very thick scar that can be painful sometimes, we encourage the mother to come in to have a scar revision. We excise the scar. There are many methods of uh, managing keloid. So we excise the wide symptomatic keloid mm. first. And then we inject with steroid mm. or we put a tape, paper tape to make sure that the that the keloid doesn't come back. Mm. And if there is an extra fold that is so impossible to, to do that, we try to encourage the mother to remove the excess skin, which mm. we call a tummy tuck, mm. to make sure that the, there's an easy flow mm. of the skin and there's no rubbing of the skin folds around the pubic area. So you mentioned two things. You said that, number one, you can have a normally healed scar, and then you could have what we call a hypertrophic scar in which the scar is thicker than usual. And then you can have a keloidal scar in which the scar is not only thicker than usual, but from my collection can be darker. The pigmentation can be different. And you say that after excising the scar, you know, the hypertrophic scar or the keloidal scar, you could put in a steroid injection or a paper tape, did you say? A paper tape. Can you explain what the paper tape does to us? Well, actually, first I want to explain the difference between the hypertrophic scar yeah. and the keloid. Yeah. Now, some women get worried when they first see the hypertrophic scar. What happens with some patients is that the, the scar may be very thick, and over time, by applying pressure, it disappears. The 
keloid is unique. The keloid actually grows beyond the incision site and is very symptomatic. It mm -hmm. irritates, it burns, and is very painful. So what we do is we excise the scar. We can inject with steroid, but most people, because they don't follow up, we try to use a tape, a regular tape, or what we call a steroid tape, which uh, is called quadrant tape, which the patient needs to uh, apply on the keloid scar to make sure it, it doesn't come back. So if you are just listening to our podcast, we welcome you. This is the Cocoa Pods podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We're very fortunate to have with us today, Dr. Afalabi Brown. He's the Chief Medical Director of Image Plastic Center in Macon, Georgia. He has been a plastic surgeon for more than 21 years. If you have any questions about this discussion, please send us an email at info at bcfndfoundation.org. That's info at bcfndfoundation.org. So back to Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for just explaining this to us. Another issue that I know that the pregnant women and the mothers face, especially the breastfeeding mothers, is at times they develop a condition called mastitis in which there is inflammation and infection around the nipple and the breast. And from a plastic surgeon's point of view, this infection can proceed to become an abscess. How do you evaluate and manage these kind of conditions? Yeah, when this happens, you have a blockage of the pores in the skin. The oil around the skin doesn't come out. It gets infected. It, it turns red and swollen. Now, we normally start by putting the patient on antibiotics that will not affect milk formation or affect the baby. And then if there is a collection, which we call an abscess, we may have to take the mother to surgery or we can do it by the bedside and do what we call incision and drainage of the pores. While at the same time, we put the, uh, the mother on antibiotics and continue with local wound care over time. And you encourage the mother to breastfeed on the other on the, normal the other breast side, yes. while this is healing exactly. and progressing. Thank you, because that's a fairly common, that can happen with breastfeeding moms and especially with new mothers. Yes. Another thing that pertains to pregnancy and delivery that I've seen is at times some women have an episiotomy, which is an incision that the obstetrician gynecologist or the midwife gives to make the space available for delivery of the baby bigger, you know, in the perineum. And at times the episiotomy has not healed properly or it is, you know, causing abnormal persistent pain. Have you had to revise a repaired episiotomy as a plastic surgeon? Yes. Now, most of the problem we talk about about scar formation actually occur in the vulva area. So after deliveries and episiotomy, most of these repairs are done in a rush. So, and every now and then, this, the scar after the repair actually grows beyond the initial repair that may actually occlude the entrance to the to the vaginal area. So we have to revise and then make sure we close the wounds in layers and uh, to make sure that it doesn't happen again. That is important that you talked about a rush because at times as an obstetrician and gynecologist, I have to imagine take a patient to a caesarean section and, and get the baby out. 
And, you know, thank God this hasn't happened to me, but I've heard of babies that have had facial lacerations because the surgeon had to get the baby out quickly. And if this baby is a female child, this can become, you know, a, an additional burden on the baby as the baby gets older. Can you speak to what you have done as a plastic surgeon when there are instances like this? Yes, we've seen a lot of cases of uh, perinatal trauma to the face, whether during C-section or during uh, forceps deliveries. And a lot of colleagues, they prefer a plastic surgeon to do a proper repair, not just anybody, to make sure that although there may be a scar formation later on, but it should be well done and more aesthetic with the baby growing up. And that's important, especially for a female for a child female. on her face. Yeah. Whether it's, it's more important for a female, even for a male, can be a problem because when people talk to, if the child grows up with that, the first thing that people look to is the scar on your face if it's too out of normal for everybody for anybody to understand where the the man got the scar from. So whether it's a male or a female, we always make sure everything is properly taken care of. And like we said, these scars can happen, for instance, during a very rapid emergency C-section or with forceps delivery in which the forceps are placed against the face of the baby. Another thing that happens, you know, pregnancy and childbirth should be a time of joy and welcoming a new baby into the world. But if that new baby has a congenital anomaly, that can be devastating to the mom. And one of the things I can think of, the top of my head, that is more serious as pertains to plastic surgery would be something like a, a cleft lip or a cleft palate. Can you explain to us what that means and how you as a plastic surgeon might help to address this issue? Yeah, there are a lot of uh, abnormalities that can be found on delivery, immediately after delivery. And that includes the abnormal deformity of the lip, especially the upper lip. And this can extend from the upper lip all the way to the upper part of the throat, which we call a cleft palate. Now, when that happens, sometimes the baby cannot feed properly because there's a connection between the mouth and the nose. So we try to temporarily block that connection by putting a plastic, like a denture, mm. to separate the mouth from the nose. And over time, when the baby is about 10, 10 pounds in weight, oh, in weight, yeah, we can go, go back and do a repair to make sure that the the connection is repaired. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the lip, the same thing may happen if the patient has severe um, cleft lip that is so wide, it, 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 block, it would make it impossible for the child to put a lip around the breast for proper feeding mm -hmm. and can be frustrating for a child. Mm -hmm. So what we do, we do what we call a temporary attachment of the lip before we do a proper repair going forward. Another common deformity around childbirth is deformity of the ear. You know, some, some child may be born without ears at all, or they may have some abnormal ears. So initially we talk to the mother, reassure them to know what may be, what is possible or what is impossible going forward in terms of repair and correction. Now that must be very devastating. So assuming that 
there has not been an antenatal diagnosis, especially we live in rural Georgia, and some of the women might not have access to an OBGYN or a maternal fetal medicine specialist that has made an antenatal diagnosis of an absent heir. And the baby comes out and we diagnose this condition. It can be very devastating. And so what I'm curious to see, what are some of the things you would do as a plastic surgeon to put a, an air that is not there back to make it normal? There are different deformities of the ear. There are some that you can see in utero, but there are some of them that you may not see. And what we call like a prominent ear. I hate to mention somebody like this, the president, <laughs> the former president of the United States, like uh, Obama, if you look at his ear, he has a, what we call a prominent ears. The, the ears are big. They are also far away from the skull. So what we try to do is to re reduce the size of the ear and also try to bring the ear back closer to the, to the bone or the skull to make it look normal. Wow, that is, I mean, that is very good to know. And also, if there, there are no heirs, do you use prosthetics? Um, and are there nowadays prosthetics that look like the real thing? Well, there are different options. Okay, now, when, you know, sometimes we may, we may use the cartilage of the ribs mm -hmm. to create a framework for the ear mm -hmm. and then use a skin graft to cover that or... If it's such a big surgery for the mother, we can use a prosthetic that looks exactly like ear. What we do with that is that we, we make an opening close to where the ear is going to be. We put some clips inside so that after it's healed, all you need to do is just clip the artificial ear onto the where it's supposed to be located. Now, is this something that is permanently clipped or do they have to no, clip? No, you cannot clip and put it back on. Wow. This is interesting. Well, if you are just listening to us, we are broadcasting live from the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We are talking to Dr. Afolabi Brown, a renowned plastic surgeon in our area, in our middle Georgia area. He's the chief medical director of Image Plastic Surgery Center, and he's been a plastic surgeon for more than 21 years. Dr. Brown, another thing that comes to mind, in my career, I have delivered babies that have six fingers and six toes, and I've had to, you know, explain things to the family. From a plastic surgeon's point of view, how do you manage situations in which babies have extra digits? Yeah, we, we try to reassure them. They may have extra digits or, they have, or the digits may be joined together. It can happen on the fingers or in the toes. So now for the extra digit, if it's very tiny, we can just put a, uh, like a small string uh, suture on it and over about a week or two, it falls off. Now if it's a well-developed digit, we can take the child to surgery after about two weeks and just excise the extra digit. Now the digit can be joined simply by skin or the uh, bone attachment. So for either one of them, we're going to go to surgery and properly correct that. Now, if the fingers are, or toes are joined together, there's a special flap that we use to separate the, the, the digits and then put a flap on there or put a skin graft, not a regular skin graft, but a, a foot, what we call a foot thickness skin graft to make sure that the 
the open wound between the digits that are separated is well healed. Wow, this is interesting. Well, another thing that I see, because we live in, in, in rural Georgia, and we have a lot of obesity. You know, the women have a lot of obesity and extra tissue, you know, around the abdomen. And it can be very distressing because at times we have tried diet and exercise and, you know, things are just not going in the direction that we wanted to go. So as a plastic surgeon, what is the name of the procedure? I mean, if, if a patient wanted a surgical management, what is the name of the procedure? And I mean, how was it done? And how do the patients maintain whatever it's, has been done? From experience, a lot of mothers have that problem. And what they want is they want their body back. They want their body back. <laughs> so basically, there are a combination of things we do for them. During pregnancy, the, the belly is stretched and the muscles are separated for a long time. So and some women, they, they gain weight. So a combination of uh, doing, removing fat by what we call liposuction uh, will help to shape the body back to normal. And also, after childbirth, there's excess skin hanging below the pubic area that can be irritating, sweaty, itching, and a lot of women actually have like a rash under there. So we can do a combination of a tummy tuck or remove, just remove the excess skin. Now, in order to tighten the belly that, is, that has been stretched, we may have to lift the skin up and put the muscles together back to normal and then remove the excess skin. Wow. You know, how, number one, how safe are these procedures? And number two, we are in rural Georgia. And I know even in rural Georgia, the women want their body back. They want their bodies back after they've had a baby. But how affordable is this? And how, uh, how can you know, women of low resource access this kind of specialized care? Well, this is the problem. It depends on the patient's insurance. Now, if the, if the women have excess skin, that you can show that there's a lot of rash under the abdominal skin, and you make several attempts medically to, to treat the rash for about three months, and there's no improvement. Some insurance people actually approve you know, for the patient to have the skin removed. Some of them will allow you to remove the skin, and some of them will also include you tightening the muscles on the inside. But most likely, most insurance, they don't pay for that. So you may have to come up with the money for that. And so, you know, from the Birth Center from Nat for Natural Deliveries Foundation, we're reaching out for, you know, if there are people of means or organization that can assist women that want such specialty care but are not able to afford this, you know, we're reaching to anybody that can help because this can be a devastating condition for the women and in middle Georgia, we would like them to have access to some of the surgical specialty care that women in the urban areas also have. So we're, we're reaching out to the general population, to the public, if there are ways in which we can help these women with uh, you know, body image issues that can have an impact on the way they see themselves and you know, can have an impact on their mental health please contact us at info at bcfndfoundation.org. Info at bcfndfoundation.org. We actually, sorry to interrupt, we actually call, there's a psychiatric name for that. We call it body dysmorphic syndrome. 
Wow. So when the women are not happy with the way their, their bodies look, the psychiatric name for that is a body dysmorphic syndrome. So there's actually a diagnosis for that. It's medically recognized. Yeah. And I think along those lines, I've also had patients that had, you know, very large breasts, you know, and it, it bothers them because the, the breasts, they've grown to be a very large size. It's causing them symptoms of back pain. They just cannot find or afford the right bras. I mean, can you speak to what you see as a plastic surgeon in this area? Right. The, the most common surgery that I do in Middle Georgia is breast reduction. Now, the, and insurance actually cover this. If your body mass index, that is your weight and your height, is at a certain level, your insurance will cover this. Now, apart from the breast being excessively big, when you wear a bra, it affects your shoulder, it affects your upper back to the, to the point that people have severe deformity of their upper back. And I've seen some patients to the point that they have to do surgery of their neck until they are told that, why don't you do something to this breast? By reducing the size of the breast, you can reduce the deformity that affects your shoulder, your back, and even your neck. Now, the other problems that affect women because of the excessively large breasts is that they actually sweat a lot behind the breast to the point that some of them have excessive skin breakdown that the insurance, when they look at all these put together, the most insurance will cover for it, for the patient's comfort. Now, do you, is there a reason why the breasts suddenly start um, growing large? Because, you know, I, I know some people genetically are born with large breasts, but some people have this problem at times after pregnancy and childbirth, and for no reason, the breasts start growing to a very, very large size. Well, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say this, but sometimes it's, it's mostly genetic or familial. Mm -hmm. I've had to do a breast reduction for a 12-year-old who was so depressed that she refused to go to school. She was clinically depressed. She was on medication due to the size of her breast. And that, this may also affect adults too, especially after having a delivery. So the insurance people, they are very uh, sensitive to some of these complaints and they actually pay for the surgery. So, you know, I just want you to say, because that's what you do the most, you know, and I want you to, I want you to talk about it, you know, with passion and, you know, this is something you know. And, you know, we're, we're in rural Georgia. You know, I don't even know if a lot of the women know that these services are somehow covered by some, you know, insurance agency. And, you know, because apart from just going on medically, you know, changing the size of your bra and wearing a back support belt, at some point, when the breast gets to such a size that it's causing neck symptoms, it's causing back symptoms, and you're just so devastated by the size of your breast, at some point, the women might decide that, yes, we want to just have something surgically done. And a lot of the women, especially in the rural areas, might be thinking that, you know, we have, you know, we don't have the premium insurance. Can we even afford to have this procedure done? Yeah, the problem I found out with a lot of women, yeah. so a lot of women, number one, don't even know the insurance covers the breast reduction. Now, the other thing is that a lot of women suffer in silence. They sweat a lot, they are back hurt, but they don't know where it's coming from. Like I said earlier, there was a lady that had to go to an orthopedic surgeon to have back surgeries done three times. 
Her bra size was 42i. She has to walk backwards so that she doesn't tilt over wow. until somebody told her, why don't you try to see somebody to help you with the, uh, with the size of the breast? So a lot of women, they, are, they go to work, they're tired. They don't know why they're tired. And the other major problem I've seen is that a lot of women's upper back is completely deformed because when they, especially when they do computer work, they bend forward and they have this hump on their upper back that is almost impossible to correct later on. So the earlier they understand what is available for them, the better to avoid the, the deformity. Some people wear bras to the point that you can feel the bone on their shoulder due to the indentation, uh, indentation mm-hmm. and the weight of the, of the breast. So these are, and a lot of them, they suffer in silence, not knowing that there's something that can be done. Yeah, so this is a, a call to action for women, especially women in middle, in, in rural areas, that, you know, if you feel that your breasts are too large and they are causing you symptoms, we want you to seek, you have the option to seek plastic surgery help. You know, you can seek plastic surgery help in your local communities, and they are actually covered. This is covered by insurance. Dr. Brown, is that surgery complex? I mean, how long does it take? I, I bet it depends on the size of what you have to remove. Yeah, it depends on the size. Some people are big, some people are not too big. We have uh, bra sizes from D. Uh, I've seen people with bra size D, and I've done up to a 20-year-old woman who was a uh, 50-0 bra. Uh, 50-0 o, o as in Oscar. Yeah, O as in Oscar, bra. And I've taken up to 27 pounds of breast tissue from somebody before. Now, you see, they suffer in silence. Now, the most common problem after the surgery is skin breakdown. And it starts from the same thing that caused the problem, one of the problems anyway, because women are always sweating under their breasts. And when you sweat under your breast, even after the surgery, uh, you can have a skin breakdown. So you want to make sure that you separate your breast from your upper abdomen so that you avoid one of the compl- most common complications. The most severe complication that no plastic surgeon wants to see is to have a skin breakdown or lose your nipple, which is a possibility. But one thing good about plastic surgeon is that we can always reconstruct a new nipple for you. It may not be as active as the former one, but we can, re- we can recreate a new nipple if there's a complication with the nipple. So are you saying that some of the women that have had this procedure called a reduction mammoplasty, can they breastfeed, you know, if they have it when they're in their adolescent years and now they are married and they have a child, what problems might they run into with breastfeeding after this kind of surgery? What I always tell women is that breast reduction is, apart from the size, it's all about the nipple. The way we do the breast reduction now, most women can breastfeed going forward. And we also want to make sure that we lift the nipple from looking at your feet so that they can look straight up for aesthetic purpose. We also worry about sensation. Initially, there may be numbness of the outside, the outer part of the, of the chest and breast, but over time, within a year or two, the sensation of the nipples and the side will come back. 
Wow, this is important because so the functionality, you know, so not only do we anatomically decrease the size of that nipple uh, and you're trying to restore the functionality in, in the sense that they fill their nipples and if they want to breastfeed, they can breastfeed their babies. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all about the nipple. It's all about the nipple. Have you seen a difference in the races of the women, you know, uh, whether is it Hispanic women or, or black women? Uh, what what is the ratio uh, in terms of the the race of the women with respect to the incidence of breast hypertrophy? It's very very common in black women. You see it a lot also in any race, but mostly in black women. And the other problem is also apart from your main breast, especially when you are overweight a little bit. Some people actually have breasts extending to their sides, always to the almost to the back too. So we have to make sure we address this to give comfort to the uh, to the women. So are you saying that they can have breast tissue extending to the side of their body and at times to the back of their body? Oh yes, and I make sure I correct that. Yeah, you see, a lot of plastic surgeons take that as a separate procedure. But I want to make sure that the side of the breast, because when you wear your bra, that part of your side of the breast has to be included in your measurement. So it has to be addressed while you are doing a proper breast reduction. I make sure I address that anytime. So that the end result is actually, you know, less volume that is of the breast that is aesthetically pleasing to the woman. Exactly. Now, I've heard about women, just like we talked about extra digits. Some women have extra breasts and extra nipple. Can you speak to that as a plastic surgeon? It's actually very, very common. It's very, very common, more common than people may know about. So some people have, now, there's a difference between extra breasts, actual breasts in the, under the armpit, as against excess breasts extending to the side. They are two separate things. Whichever way it is now, the insurance we cover for the excess breast tissue breast tissue under the armpit. And anytime I do a breast reduction, I always make sure I, re I remove the extra breast that extends to the side and almost to the back. Now, there's something called a nipple line, you know, just like you see in mammals in which, you know, the women actually have not only extra breasts, but extra nipples. How yeah. common is that? And do you see that I, more in black women? I'm not sure. I think it can happen in any race. Any, any race. I've also seen in young women that were born without breasts. They have nipple on one side, but their breasts are not The breast tissue is not there. Yeah, the, the breast, we, I mean, it's not developed at all. So we call that amastia, you know, that is absence of breast tissue. And there are ways to treat young women for that by putting an extra, by expanding the, the skin and putting an implant or putting fat in there to try to balance the abnormal small breasts to the other side. Now, I'm presuming that that is not a functional breast, even though it might aesthetically look like a breast. But a woman cannot breastfeed from that breast. Well, it's very common. It's, it's very common on one side, not on both sides. So if you have a problem with the side that has no proper breast tissue, we can make it look as aesthetic as the normal side. So you can see breastfeed using the normal side. Wow. 
That's interesting. So, but how about the extra nipples? Well, you need just uh, remove them. There's nothing special about them. <laughs> so you, you remove the extra nipple. You remove yeah. the yeah. Sometimes they are close to the shoulder. They may be under the breast or even all the way down into your into the abdomen. Wow. Yeah. Into yeah. the belly. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's just like in, in mammals, like you would oh, see yes. like in a dog. And they may even be under the armpit. Yeah. yeah. So is that that's usually from a developmental yeah, issue? We, yeah, we we call it well, let me use the technical word called ectopic nipples that mm. is extra nipple but out of place mm. but in line with what you see in mammals we're right here in middle georgia we're in rural georgia we are videoing from the birth center for natural deliveries foundation and we are a small group of people that we are investigating all the issues that pertain to maternal morbidity and mortality and trying to mitigate some of these risks if you have questions, please forward them to us at info at bcfndfoundation.org, info at bcfndfoundation.org. And I'm here with Dr. Afolabi Brown, plastic surgeon in the Middle Georgia area. Dr. Brown, do you have any closing thoughts or closing remarks or ideas that you can share with some of our, our women that are tuning in today to listen to us? All I can say is that any problem, I'm ready to help 24-7. My patients, they have my number. They can call me directly or they can text me directly. We also do uh, what we call uh, distant... Uh, telehealth. Uh, telehealth. <laughs> Especially now with COVID. <laughs> with COVID. Yes, yes, with yes. yes. They send me pictures, so anytime, I'm always ready. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. 